0: And we're back. It's Monday. Scratch Your Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Action packed weekend golf finishing on a Saturday. Conference championships on a Sunday. I kind of liked it. I gotta be honest. PGA Tour Golf Primetime West Coast Saturday night. And kind of had your Sunday, the kids, and a little football, I know, but it was it was different. And and I kind of liked it. I want to take you back to Saturday because uh Luke List got his first win on the PGA Tour, so I thought I'd reach out to my buddy here who has been coaching this man of Luke List, 37 years of age, for the better part of a decade, and, uh, well, he's the PGA Teacher of the Year, and he joins me from just outside of Pebble Beach, a place he knows well, Jamie Mulligan. First off, congratulations on everything, PGA Teacher of the Year, and now the big guy Luke List, your man gets in the winner's circle. Way to go, man.
1: Thanks, Travis. Nice, to, uh, nice to be back on the show, and uh, I appreciate our friendship a lot. By the way, you have the hippest intro music of your yeah. podcast of any of those that I do. So you got that going for you, which I think is a big thing. Yeah, I mean, Fine, it's not man. the reason. It's not the reason I came back on, but it's still okay. pretty good music. Yeah, well, I
0: appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. the little things, right? It's 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 the little things that make the difference, and and you know yeah. about the little things that make a difference when you're playing on the PGA Tour because. Half a stroke here, half a stroke there. It all adds up over four days. Luke list has been close. He finished in a playoff. The JT a few years ago, we've seen his name pop up. We all know for those that follow the game, that Luke list is a real competitive player, consistent player on the PGA tour. It felt like it was a matter of time before he was going to get his first win and sometimes jamie the chip just kind of have to fall your way you know he got in about an hour and a half early all of a sudden here he is hour and a half later standing on the tee in a playoff and he gets the job done against will zalatoros uh, dalatoris what was your thoughts man you had to be your stomach had to be like turning here as you're watching this down the stretch my man's gonna get in the playoff and now he wins take mm-hmm. us through those uh, couple hours there Yeah,
1: it was it was it's, you know, first of all, Luke is the real deal. And you know, I'm sure we'll get into this more. But if you're exempting yourself every year on the PGA Tour, you're very good. You're one of the top 125 players. And there's 100,000 people that are trying to play professional golf in the world. So He's at the top of the list. And, you know, I think everybody in the game knows him. He's very, very solid. You know, we'll talk about his swing and his motion a little bit more because I know you and I love to talk about golf swings. But mm-hmm. he's very, very solid. But just as far as that day went, you know, I had got back from the PGA show and uh, needed to get to my country club, but I wanted to see his warm-up. So, you know, I raced down early in the morning. San Diego from my home is, you know, an hour and 15 minutes. So raced down and did his warm-up. and um, something just a little different that morning you know we've warmed we warmed him up just a little bit different like you know he was in kind of the same mood when he came out but he was comfortable and um you know he started to slot it on the range and just he can he can hang laundry with the golf club at the top of the swing and slow things down and he can look effortless and you know when I'm doing this not only I'm watching him but I also looking down the range and He just can look so elegant. You know, I've called him a long time for a long time. The Ferrari looks like a Ferrari, you know, when he's swinging the golf club and uh, going around the track and he just was warming up like that. I was standing next to Scott Hamilton and, you know, he's a buddy of mine and, you know, our eyebrows are kind of lifting up a little bit and we weren't saying anything, but he was kind of looking at what was going on. And we didn't really say much other than just, you know, we love it. Golf club looks beautiful. Body works looking beautiful. Pace looks great, you know, and then just kind of making small talk. But then, you know, we had a pretty, we had a cool little talk right before he left, which sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. And um, I won't tell the complete details because there's some attorney client in there. But uh, the basic message was everybody every week shoots the grass off the place. Why don't you go shoot the grass off the place? You know, I shot 66 left here in the Mm -hmm. last round. I coached Frankie Molinari too, and they played the year before and both shot 66 out of the back nine to go into a backdoor top 10 so i know that he loves the place and i was thinking you know shoot the grass off the place and this is the time to go do that and uh, the look in his eyes was like i was just asking him you know hey hit me a 15 footer over there you know and uh, he just walked away real confident looking and i remember i raced in my car to get back to the club and um, i was thinking you know wow he had a different look and then stopped to get some gas about you know three quarters of the way home and he had birdied Three, four, and five. Yeah. And um here we go. And and then here we go. And then uh I try not to text or look at scores when I drive, which I think is a good tip for everybody. Yeah. Uh pulled over again and he had birdied six. And I thought, you know, here we go. And this is a really good day to lay one down because I know how hard the back nine plays. And basically that's what happened. You know, it was a long day after that, but that was that was basically what happened. By the time before the playoff, I think that was probably in time. That was uh six and a half hours later before it actually came to culmination, you know?
0: Yeah, it did. I mean, he, he did off, get off to a good start. It was nice just to see, and of course, Torrey Pine South in the back, it is difficult. It's nice to see the golf course push back, Where <clears throat> you know, the weeks leading up to that, he, he certainly, he, he didn't feel like a player can make a couple bogeys coming down the stretch and someone could sneak in there, you know I mean? So it was nice that to me, that's golf. Like I, I, I'm fine with guys going low in the, you know, low 20, you know, 24 25, but I just, I like, there's gotta be the idea of the bogey right. And, mm-hmm. or a double. And you sense that it was different that week Luke's in there and I'm like, look, I, well, he's got to hang around because this, this difficult stretch down, you know, th- there's no guarantee here, right. Even Birdie birding 17, here we go. 18 to get out of position. It's not a guarantee birdie. So, um, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was just a great week all the way around. And I, and I look at Luke, and I was thinking about him even heading into this tournament as we were breaking down this tournament. Obviously, this is a course that really favors some length, probably more so than any other course on the PGA Tour. We'll get to his driver swing here in a second and break that down. But this little track here of uh, from November 11th at Houston, 10th at the RCM, 22nd at the American Express, and then here he is. He cracks the code first at the Farmers. We know Luke is long off the tee. He's one of the longest on the PGA Tour. Kind of gobbles up strokes pretty consistently off the tee. I think he's a bit of an underrated approach game player, personally. I don't think he gets the credit for his approach game as much. Solid short game player. His putter can hold him back a little bit at times, right? we know that. I mean, statistically, every player usually has that weakness that, look, if I could just get incrementally a little better there, I'm going to win. And with Luke, positive 3.7 this week. He gets in the winner's circle. It seems like the last few weeks, a little bit of a trend here with the flat stick. What's different, Jamie, with Luke and the putter?
1: Yeah, first of all one thing you said about the approach game, you know, he's con- consistently leading in tee to green, you know, week after week after week. We'll shoot the, the numbers and you're two off the tee and you know four in approaches and you know three overall in tee to green against everybody. Like you can you can hit your rock for sure. putting stroke's been really interesting, you know. He when you watch him putt like you see people that have putting problems and you'll be able to pick out, you know, what they have in their putting pro- putting stuff and He's had this beautiful stroke, but I think his perception of the stroke and even, um, you know, this is on me as well, too, is I think his idea of what he was trying to do wasn't exactly probably what was best for him to actually do. Um, We talked to Stephen Sweeney a couple, three months ago. I love the guy. He's my Irish brother from another mother. He's got a great way about him. I think he has the same vibe as I. He did a really good job in his studio of showing Luke like, this is what you do and you do it really, really well. And this is probably what you could do. And, you know, um, the, I think with the putters now being face balanced, Luke had more of an old school stroke that was kind of opening the door and closing the door and probably had a little bit too much acceleration in the wrong time. And, you know, basic stuff with that is, um, uh, Stephen explained to us, and has got Luke working on this you know idea of how the actual path of the putter and what the putter should feel like, and it's coming out of the gun and rolling a lot lot better and then you know he's done a really good job with Luke as far as performance training to do things that matter underneath the gun, and it's made all the difference and you know we have gone around you know I am never i don't have any ego in doing this, so mm-hmm. if we need help, we're gonna go get help and you know, we've talked to a lot of people about putting for him. And we've talked to a lot of people about putting with everybody that we work with. Mm -hmm. And uh, my job is to be the orchestra leader and to coach the deal, you know, and uh, not to be the guy that invented the wheel. And um, so anyways, he's just been trending the right way. And then kind of you seeing it in his scores that you laid out, there was something special about all those rounds, you know, in the desert, like, 66 on saturday kind of put himself in a little better position you know in a on a windy day and then Mm -hmm. you know same thing at houston had a pretty good chance to win ball hit the heck out of it there you know so he's been trending the right direction which is cool and um it's just felt a little different the last six seven eight months about the way he was talking about who he is and what he is
0: let's go back to the putting for a second um Stephen Sweeney, you mentioned he's been on the podcast. Really impressive. Uh, really Very enjoyed cool. the conversation he's with him.
1: Super, super cool.
0: Yeah. So this this stroke. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You were saying he was getting a little too much kind of open close effect, and and needed to calm that down a little bit more, where it was not as open close as far as what. Well, well, I think the perception that
1: uh if you if the putter swung back too far, it wasn't gonna be as efficient. That would be number one. And then number two, just the way the shop was holding energy. And remember the putters are face balanced. So everybody's stroke that's putting great now that's using a face balanced putter, which is definitely a more redundant way to put as far as it coming off the club. And, you know, I putted with a bullseye, which everybody and still do, you know. Mm. So that that thing slang more of an arc and more on a plane and um Luke probably had a little bit too much, uh, arc in his stroke, but it looked beautiful. Yeah. And, and it, it probably was a little short on the way back and a little gunny on the way through, but never looked gunny. Cause he's so strong, you know, that the putter could go through the ball. And now I think he's got, he's just pulling the arrow back a little bit more and letting it go. That would be, I would say second thing. And then the third thing, just some really good performance coaching as far as rolling the ball, um, to make putts in a tournament and stuff that you can do on a daily basis to see how well that you're actually doing in your metrics without losing the art of it which i love and that came from steven as well yeah that came yeah. from steven and kind of you know just uh we have got a bunch of performance stuff but i think you know he's got a gig now that's uh that's really that really suits yeah. and really fits him and he's oh. worked and he's worked hard you know
0: oh yeah oh yeah i mean it's so I love that. So a couple of things here. One is that a little less of an arc, and then the second thing you said, which I like, a little short back, and then had to hit the gas. So that acceleration phase was it's difficult, right, to compute when when you're hitting yeah. the gas. Say, as an analogy, zero to seventy mm-hmm. versus maybe stretching mm-hmm. it back a little bit more, mm-hmm. giving a little more given a little more energy going back, and then mm-hmm. it's a bit more cruise control coming through. Mm-hmm. especially with a big guy that's
1: really strong acceleration it's right. hard to see with him all the way across his swing mm. and his stroke you know and he you know i like to say players that have great looks aesthetically to our eye that we look they have amazing aesthetics they have a beautiful signature you know and luke's signature through the bag putter to drivers all is very elegant among the most in the game so mm-hmm. um you know, but we're in a results business and, uh, the results are better obviously. And, and we're on cloud nine about the real result from Saturday.
0: So let's transition to the driver here. I got a little funny story about Luke. Um, back when I was teaching full-time a lot, I helped Fred Funk a decent amount when he came back from his knee surgery and his thumb mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and into his champions tour career. And, uh, Fred Played the week before and won the Insperity Championship and he came back home here in Ponte Vedra, where he lived at the time and there was an event a Corn Fairy Tour event on the Valley Course that week and they asked Fred to play and Fred, you know, he's a local guy and get some people out to watch Fred and of course he was playing great, he just won the whole bit and so he decided to play and we're matched up with uh, Luke mm-hmm. in the practice round and we get out there, and Luke didn't hit his driver, I don't think. We started on the other nine. I don't think he hit his driver at all because that course mm-hmm. kind of squeezed in a little bit, and Luke didn't need to hit driver because he can hit his driving iron like 280 yards out there. So anyway, we get to the par five, opens up a little bit. Luke takes the driver out and just unleashes one, and Fred hits mm-hmm. it out of the heel a little bit. And we get up there, and Luke is like 80 yards past Fred. <laughs> <laughs> we were just you know, we Fred's, you know, 52 at the time in the senior tour, and here's this Luke, you know, 20, probably five at the time, and but and I tell the story, A, it was funny. We were laughing. And and Luke's just a wonderful guy to play with throughout the day. And and so was Fred. It was a great day. But two, just how effortless it looked off the off, off the face. I mean, Luke, when Bryson goes after it, it looks like it looks violent. You know, it looks fast. It looks like man, he's really Going on. Luke kind of reached back and hit it, and was, oh, wow, okay. I mean, it looked, you know, it just looked casual, right? It looked casual, and it was three thirty, and all this, and he he cruises at you know about three seventeen, and we know he can reach back and hit it, but this dude's he he's he's got speed, and when you got speed, Jamie, out there, and you can hit it, and you're in the top ten, and you're in your better than average in approach. And he's, he knows the game, you know, the game, he gets any sniff of this potting. Like he had this week, this is a guy, it's easy to say, Oh, he's going to win more, but it's, I'm telling you with Luke and the way that he can get there, tee to green, this is a guy that can get some more wins for sure. And particularly because he's so damn good off the tee. Talk about the driver that is luke list and this effortless power that we see. Yeah. Um, He wedged Fred, you know, when I was a kid when you hit it by somebody
1: eighty or ninety or a hundred yards, you used to, you know, holes are driver wedge holes. He wedged Fred. So that means Fred had a driver wedge to his ball, not to the green, right? Yeah. He wedged him. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to get you don't want to get wedged or wedgie. That's not (laughs) good. Yeah. 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 No, I mean (laughs) I think the look for Luke, you know, there isn't a time when I'm on tour with Luke that he's sitting balls at one of the coaches or one of the players multiple times don't come up and whisper in my ear and go, this is like the Pierce swinger. Can I watch you hit balls, Luke? And you know, he's, he's orthodox and he has that hmm. Ernie L's big, easy effortless yeah. pa- effortless power. And, um, orthodox for us means there's nothing that when you want to try to clean him up, there's not really thing you can clean up. You got to clean up the sequence and he understands how to where his plane is. He understands how to load his body. He understands how to use the ground. He understands how to keep the golf club square. He can hit a multitude of different shots. He's actually really gone on a short little tight golf course. He's played lovely at Hilton Head, you know, a couple of years right out of COVID. He won over there at Davis Valley, you know, on that golf course, which is one of the most confining golf courses on the planet. And um, he went down there just to do our first start back into COVID and won down there. So um He's got amazing accuracy, and a lot of that comes from how orthodox the club is. A lot of times when people hit it really far, they can hit it really crooked, too. That doesn't mean that Luke's going to hit every fairway, and on the PGA Tour on this day, you're not actually trying to hit every fairway. You're trying to hit it and win and tee to green, you know, um, so you can get your ball down there in a position where you can make a birdie. And then I was going to say, you know, in our practices, which have been, you know, a multitude, you can't even count how many times that we've hit balls. We have a field at Virginia Country Club that we hit into the wind and it's darn near, you know, 380, 400 yards all the way down. And um, I all stand out in front of our players and look back. I think, you know, kind of my position a lot, a lot of times I won't be parallel. I won't be behind them. I'll stand out in front of them. Um, to the right of them a little bit and look back at them. And there's one tee shot or two tee shots every practice that I don't even need to turn around and look at and I know where they're going and they're going down towards those trees at the other side of our range. And it comes like out of the same gun, but it's just hit so efficiently. It's flying, which is cool. A lot of people are hitting it hard because they're putting so much into it. His is getting hit hard. So it's getting so squared, so hit in the middle of the golf club. And he's uh, maximizing physics, you know, mm-hmm. mass, speed, velocity, efficiency. It, it's fun to watch.
0: He kind of rotates the face just a little bit, you know, like he's not. Yeah. But, you know, halfway yeah. back, he's not toe down. He's he's kind of rotates it a little bit and then he's. Yeah, it's relative, it's relative to the plane
1: line and you don't see that a lot anymore. Normally mm-hmm. on the way back, people are shutting the club and holding on to shut and then holding the club off a little bit at impact. And when you look at him, it's just kind of on the plane line almost the whole swing that doesn't mm-hmm. mean sometimes it can't get too open to the plane or sometimes you can't get too close to the plane but that's how i'm making a living to make sure that it stays where it should be
0: but mm-hmm. it's
1: very very orthodox
0: but i mean luke like has halfway back he's probably a little more toe up than st patrick or you know can't yeah i would i would say a
1: degree and a half to two okay. degrees <laughs> yeah which is which isn't a bunch and you know those guys both compare you know we got people at that point that are 10 degrees down at that spot you know
0: right right yeah i would say i would say more players now look like they got the toe a little bit more down you're once you're taking loft off the golf
1: club you're adding spin you're taking away strength you know and if you're closing that you're adding strength on there the only thing is on the way down you got to do something to make sure that the blade doesn't make you hit it to the left or the club face doesn't make you hit it to the left so the point being with luke you can look at his swing on the plane line and it's like Square, 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 Mm -hmm. square, 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 square. Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah. So what is it? So so Luke likes to see the ball die left, right? A little bit, kind of just go out and just kind of tumble a little bit to the left off the tee, but he can work it both ways. Um, Yeah. Is it kind of take us into like the technique just a little bit, which, you, you know, there's not much there, but if there is something that, Uh, it tends to kind of get in the way a little bit with him. What is that one thing that you're kind of always looking at and managing where you feel like, okay, this is, this isn't a good spot where we're usually pretty good to go to get that ball out of the gun the same way.
1: Yeah. Because we like to be so orthodox. If you took an intermediate spot between the golf ball and the target, we like to see the golf ball, maybe move off the gun two or three inches to the right of uh, the intermediate target or right over that as opposed to left of it in the no-fly zone. And he can cut it, it, straight it, or draw it almost out of the same gun where it isn't moving in two different planes. And hence a lot of that is the orthodox that I just talked about, you know, the clubs relative to the plane line the whole time. And then if you were going to teach somebody just the perfect way to move into the ball, there's a bunch of different ways to do it leave your upper body alone and let the golf club fall back down the plane line and let you use the ground and let your lower body unturn and leave the golf club alone and let it go into the follow through because your body dictated it's much like throwing a ball and stepping forward and letting your lower body, make your arm go. He can do that with the golf club really, really nice. And that's what it looked like Sunday morning. And that's what he looks like when he's great is it looks like he's allowing his legs to naturally go, you know, he warmed down for, <laughs> or warmed yeah. down or warmed up, whatever you want to call it, you know, to stay loose for a long, long time. And he said he had an amazing time over there. You know, he's on the North Golf Course, and the sun's setting. And he loves California. He lives in Augusta, Georgia, with his wife, his beautiful mm-hmm. wife Chloe, and their kids now. Where they're from, but he loves California. He lived there for a while. You know, when we first met, and um, he said he just enjoyed practicing out there. And I was watching the warm down swings, and you could see him just casually taking it up to the top allowing his lower body to go. The golf club was dropping down. He was in perfect pace. And I'm like, Oh man, let's let, it, let us get in a playoff.
0: He's ready to go. He's ready to go. And, and that's
1: that. Let
0: me ask you this, Jamie. I don't, we're going to pivot here for a minute. Just talking PGA tour in general here for a second. I was, I was out there. I had to go in and do the cut to show that on golf channel on Tuesday and kind of in and out quick and was watching a few swings there. Um, on the lesson T and then, you know, another tournament here and there. And one thing that just kind of hit me was, you know, I, I know that a launch monitor is, has a tremendous amount of value in the way of carry distance from place to place and conditions and this and that. And there's other data that it tells us, but, you know, being able to hit shots and seeing how far, how far the ball's carrying right that day, how you feel, whatnot is huge. I was a little taken back. And as I watch all the way down the line, A, they all had one, B, the amount of times they would look at. I mean, hit a shot, look at, hit a shot, look at. And it wasn't just one guy. It was like damn near all of you know. I mean, it was like it was almost like a third leg in some regards, and just how much they were looking at this data. Um what's your thoughts on this just in general? Because at the end of the day, like you got to go out and play the game, right? And you gotta get data, and I get this, but that instinctive aspect, the artist the athlete i mean are we moving too much away from that and becoming too technical what how do you see it in the role of that launch monitor other data out there uh on the pga tour or are we in a good spot with it in the balance of um
1: it's your show with the sexy lead-in music so you want the coach's answer or the player's answer and which one do you want first if you want them both okay let's do so much so much pressure huh
0: let's do the player's answer first. Okay.
1: Um, if I was playing golf for a living and I hit my golf ball, I want to know how far it goes. So you can shoot the gun as much as you want, but the fact that you get a number that comes up from the quad, the minute that you make contact and you can know, okay, I just hit a shot at 142 yards because the weight of the shot is one of the most important things. I think that's the big thing. Okay. And, um, If you're practicing, like in the last couple of weeks, because we're in California, a lot of times the ranges are kind of going away from the clubhouse and the perennial wind is coming from the north, you're hitting to a lot of left winds. So being able to see your spin axis into the wind immediately and realize like, okay, the wind's moving that ball based on what my club normally does. I like the fact that they see that. And I think that's what everybody's looking down to see. Um, Certainly with the people that we work with, you know, the 10 tour players that we help, they're all doing the same thing. And I and I like it a lot. I don't think that um I can't wait to give you the coach's answer. So you tell me when you're ready. I'm ready.
0: So that was a good answer by the way. Yeah, you know, that's you. very yeah, that's it. I mean that's very that's what we're after here. Like very descriptive answer and what they're looking at based off of the win. All right. Coach's answer.
1: Yeah, the way that I back to the players a little bit, you know, if you're on your map quest and follow it exactly where you're gonna go and what they tell you to do, you normally end up where you're going, you know. That, that doesn't mean you can't wing it and drive there, but if you got a way that tells you how to get there exactly where you're going, you probably end up there. And so if you have something as you're going through the process, that says you're exactly going in the right direction. That's basically what that thing's doing. And that's why the player is using it. It's just a glance. Um, I love coaches' answer. I love art. Obviously we're in a science-based game, but I love the art part of it. I think that, you know, whether you think that we're a good teacher or whatever you are, we've, um, we've made a living in doing this and been successful in this doing this and have long-term relationships with players for a long time in a results basis business because of the art that i think we add in there so this is from one thing that bothers me from the coaches standpoint like if you can't stand out in front of your player look back and tell them where their ball is going and how far it's going then i don't think that you're ready to do this at the highest level that's not taking away from anybody but you got to know exactly what's happening in order to make the ball go the right way. We have this morning, one time with Luke, when we were practicing, it was foggy. One of the golf professionals that worked for us was out there with track man and um, we're hitting balls into the fog and Luke and I were having a contest because we still couldn't see exactly what the ball was going. As soon as it was in the air, I got to call one and he got to call one how far it was going and I don't think for the whole session, either one of us was more than four yards off as far as carry distance. Um, so the point being is that's that. I love to go to a driving range and just sit on a driving range and see if I was going to coach everybody on the driving range, what I would do to them. I'll do that a lot of times if I stop someplace and have lunch, probably on a Muni. you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing how much I'm seeing an in instruction right now. Somebody giving a golf lesson at one of those places and the golf balls hit and the players looking at video and then looking at the numbers on the machine and then trying to say something to the player and the feeling that they could have given them when the ball was in the air is already gone because they're so caught up in the machine. That's not art. That's depending on the science too much. So I think the ability to know what makes the golf ball go and then the ability to give them some art and some feel so they can do it better than they did it before based on what their body did. Uh, That's really, really important. And that's just my opinion. It sounds like, you know, we invented the game, but that's my opinion on both of those.
0: Well, I think that's what you do very well, you know, Jamie, and I'm glad that you're getting the credit that you deserve is that you manage the, the technical side of things that's available to us, which we know is way more now than it was 15, 20 years ago. Yes, sir. that's a lot to take in, right? You want to learn that because your players are probably asking questions. So it's like, okay, we'll we'll learn that and the value and help position that for each player to be successful, which can be different from maybe one player wanting to be over technical versus one that doesn't want any part of it all. So it's like, okay, so every player is a little different there. And then also understanding there's a genius with every player. So we got to protect that. I can't teach them all the same way. You know, they're all different. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to keep that intact and protect that and, and let the art come out. So, you know, you kind of, this whole holistic approach is, you know, is still, I think, range true the most. It's not about this one technicality. That's the difference that makes the player get on the PGA tour. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it is more this whole approach and that art mm-hmm. and that genius inside really is that defines Luke List, that defines Patrick Cantley, that defines Nelly Korda in protecting that but yet trying to incrementally move the needle in some areas right that make them more dynamic and then get them over the top from a confidence standpoint and it sounds like with luke all of a sudden the light it's like look you, you can something was different like it's time to win you know like you know like it's time to win i am that guy i you know luke bliss looking at himself saying i don't look at that. luke to me doesn't strike me as someone who's overly confident cocky Like he's. Nice guy. And, you know, and, and, keeps maybe bit things internal and he knows he's a good player, but maybe now he's like looking at it like, it's time, it's time for me to win. I mean, it's time, you know, that look like, let's go, you know, you kind of sense that let's push it ahead here. You're the man, let's go get a win. And now you get a win. Let's go get a couple more, you know?
1: Yeah, I think in our style, you know, how you match, like on what you were saying, like, if Jessica and Nelly Cord are hitting balls next to each other, there's way difference in the way we're going about it with each other. that's art. There's a lot of difference between Frankie Molinari and Patrick Cantley and Luke Lish, you know, doing their warm ups at the same place. Hmm. Um, there's a big difference between John Cook and Paul Guidos. There's a huge difference between Mo Martin and Luke Lish, you know. So trying to teach all those people. But one thing I think through the thread of us, and maybe this is our style or whatever that's maybe we gravitated. Is I think um, everybody's humble and everybody's uh, low key and kind of undersold in the way that they might come off in their persona, but everybody wants to win really bad. And there's a big difference between cocky and being confident and everybody's really, really, really confident. And uh, you know, we are in a results-based business. So when they win, win, obviously it's like, well, they were really just confident that week, but it's a hard game. It's hard to win a golf tournament. You know, we're on a heater right now. We're on a magic run. People are, you know, somebody (laughs) told me at the PGA show when we won the national award, you know, you're coaching the 2021 FedEx champion player of the year. You're coaching the world number one Nelly. And now you have the game, the, the national coach and teacher of the year for 29,000 pros, keep your chin up. Things are going to get better, you know, and then three (laughs) and then three days later luke you know goes ahead and wins so we're we're worries we're in a results-based business the award is subjective it has nothing to do with that the tournament wins they're about as objective as you get you got to play better than everybody and everybody's really really good while Humberland flattered about the award and it's really a team award from everybody i listed and all our staff um the winning a golf tournament takes a lot. And you know this as much as anybody.
0: Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Like I, let me ask you this, and then I got to ask you about this hotel that you're sitting in and I'll let you go. Cause I know you're busy. You're getting ready for Pebble beach this week, but how do you, the one thing that impresses me the most, and I, and I really respect the the player coaches that really stay together. You've been with Luke 10 plus years. You've taught Patrick Cantley since he was 10, I believe since that? he was seven years, seven old. years yeah. old. I mean, so you, yeah. I mean, these are players that are coming to you and that you've now been with them and you've watched them grow up for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I, I love those relationships. But then mm-hmm. I think to myself, how the hell do you keep it fresh? And how do you keep it, you know, the, the the trust obviously has to be there, but there's knowing the sport and how competitive it is and how much you lose at this game and the ups and downs and what's available to these guys what's the secret sauce here of keeping them just so damn focused on you're on the right track. Here's where we're getting better. Here's, where we got to continue to go. We're, you know, the results are going to come, right? You can't, you can't worry about like, you can't just necessarily, like, I want to, you know, worry about this, right? You just have to engage yourself in the process and things will happen. And sometimes yeah. like Luke who won yes twice in the corn ferry tour, this win comes, what, 14 years later since he turned pro and he's been with you for the better part of that period and he's just continued to trust the process and now he finally gets on top. What's the secret sauce to keeping all these guys just so involved in your message? That
1: was a a great question, by the way, and you kind of answered your question yourself. But I mean, at the end of the day, in, in pro golf, you're either in the rabbit hole down at the bottom trying to search for things to make you better or you're climbing the mountain, you know? And the mountain doesn't have a top, it's infinite. And the top of the mountain would be utopia, but you never get there and you're going up the mountain. And I say this all the time, it was easy to be great, everybody be great. And, you know, the players are already great and my job is to make them greater. And we're all evolving as human beings. And I think the length of our tenure together is more helpful than not. I think it behooves the relationship because they know who you are as a person, they know your integrity, they get to watch what you do, you get to watch what they do. And you keep evolving and learn order to make it fresh. But I think there's some comfort there in order to do that. It's a big mm-hmm. process. And the more comfortable you are with the process, and the process dictates the bottom line. And what I just said there in that paragraph are all things that we've been doing for three and a half decades now. And I just think we're better at them. And then lastly, This, these podcasts are probably as much as I'll ever talk about everything that we do. Uh, I've got better as I've got older at saying less. Like I think Scott Hamilton will tell you in that warm up with Luke on Sunday morning or Saturday morning before he won. It's hard for to keep saying Saturday rather than Sunday because it never happens, (laughs) right? Yeah. But, anyways, I think Scott will tell you, you know, I probably only said 10 or 15 things and they were really short and really simple and they were one or two words. That's it. So, I think as you get better, you know, I love the Latin expression, menos is mas less is definitely more.
0: Mm. That's good. That's geek coach may. I mean I I still got I got break, I can shoot seventy-six still, seventy-five. This is like the f- this is like the third time that
1: we've talked to each other. You got to go back and just listen to all the podcasts. I probably talk to you more than anybody. Okay, start. I, I appreciate. Start, that. Start, start. Start learning, grasshopper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will you start paying attention? Damn it! All right, tell us about this hotel here. I know you're in Pebble Beach. This Pebble Beach is a special place <laughs> to you, Jamie. And um, yeah, you know, AT T yeah. here. Where are you at here? Uh, somebody was. Uh,
1: and that was on my staff was saying, you know, by the time that you add up state juniors, mm-hmm. state amateurs, at champion tour events, US Opens, clinics that you've done up there, you've been at Pebble beach more than a year of your life, which, wow. yeah, it's probably way more than accurate. It's probably more than a year of my life. And I can't tell you every time that I come up here, it feels like magic. It's the most beautiful place that I've ever seen. Uh, I'm in love with the golf course. I think from a competitive golf course, the golf course is one of the most special places in the world. I think, you know, this, I'm a surfer and ocean guy. So we're just surrounded by ocean up here. Carmel is really charming. And then my, uh, old, uh, mentor, um, the special Mr. Ken Venturi that coached John Cook and then kind of transitioned John Cook to me, the great CBS announcer that was a legend, won the U S open. He learned how to play golf from uh, Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan as far as being a competitive player. And he passed a lot of that gold on to me, which we're still passing on to our players in these days. Um, He was a traditionalist. He loved this hotel. If you read the fantastic book, The Match, and if you haven't read it, everybody must go buy that book today. Um, It's just phenomenal. Well, he talks about the Pine Inn and it's this old kind of looks like a a saloon hotel that somebody you would see in a western that somebody went in there and rented and they went up and they were like in a in a one uh a, like a one room little spot. So I've been staying there forever and um, you know, I love the place. When I come to Pebble, it feels like this is a part of home. And when we have to be on the road, like a lot of these trips for me are like this are quick little couple day trips, do a warm up, go back to the club, do my job. Um and uh so we like being in places that we're comfortable and then it feels like it's home. And that's why we're here.
0: Wow. It's time to go play golf. Pebble Beach, Jamie Mulligan. Thank you for joining us. Stripe Show podcast.